And you're very welcome along to another edition of Across the Line with me, Shane Bro, for your Friday evening build-up to the sporting weekend in the Premier County. And in this week's show, we'll be looking ahead to a busy weekend of Gaelic Games action highlighted by Sunday's Munster Senior Club Camogie Championship final between Drum and Inch and Clare's Scarif Aganalo. And we'll hear from uh, Drum and Inch manager Pat Ryan and former Scarif manager and uh, new Tipperary junior manager David Sullivan. It's a, it's a big weekend for football in the Clamel Commercials Club with both the men's and women's teams in Munster Championship action. Action. and we'll look ahead to their games in the company of John McNamara we'll hear from broadcaster and author Damien Lawler on his new book ref, uh, reflecting on the GAA in the, and the pandemic uh, called After the Storm and also we'll have lo- the local rugby and soccer, soccer fixtures for the weekend and as ever we'll talk dogs with Barry Drake so all that and more over the next hour or so so why not stay tuned and we'll begin with Camogie and Sunday on Sunday at two o'clock in Mallow sees uh, Drum and Inch going back to the scene of their bitter disappointment last year when they take on Scarif O'Gonnell of Clare in the Munster Club Senior Camogie Championship Final two o'clock uh, in Mallow the game will be live here on Tip FM in association with Youngs of the Rag Stephen Gleeson and Geraldine Canan will be bringing you the action it's the th- it's Drum's third Munster Final in a row as they look to regain the title that was taken away from them by Scarif last year uh, last January in fact so um Joining me on the line to look ahead to the game is a Drum and Inch manager, Pat Ryan. Pat, you're welcome back to the show. Evening, Shane. Uh, Pat, just before we reflect or uh, look ahead to this game, just turning back to, to last Saturday and the, I suppose, that extra time win over De La Salle, uh, what were, I suppose, um, I suppose, extra time, ideally you wouldn't have needed it. I suppose you're maybe coming in a little. Make uh, probably an extra bit tired this week, but I'm sure mentally and in terms of belief, you must have taken an awful lot out of that game. We did take an awful lot out of that game. The fact that you were going down to their own home ground, be worth a few points to them. But they they, they put it up to us for the um, for six minutes of normal time. But we 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 seemed to find another gear, and we we got we we seemed to get stronger as the game went on. And uh, look, it's another test of the result. As I said, it's a hard it's a hard task to go down to. The opposition's backyard with the, the local crowd all around them and um, they're facing into a Munster semi-final. I know this is our first one and all that, but it's still a dog the test to go to anybody's field and we, we stood up to the task again. Yeah, and it is, I suppose it was a game, and I suppose off the back of the the, the Clonolty game where he had to come from, from behind there too. I know it was De La Salle that forced, um, I think it was that De La Salle forced extra time last week, but that, I suppose that element where the girls don't panic must be hugely satisfying for you. It's hugely satisfying in the fact, yeah, they, they don't, they don't look back. I suppose the Canoti one, the two good games to prepare us for the weekend ahead. The fact that we were, as you know, we were down against Canoti, but I don't think De La Salle took the took the lead against us at any at any stage last weekend as well. So that's that's encouraging when when you're in the cauldron that you were in. And look, it just shows the the, the mental strength that we have at the moment. Like you know, uh, any any injuries after the, the week or. No, everything seems to be okay anyway. They, they haven't they haven't told me whether they're injured or not, so I'll take them at their word. But no, look, we're heading out to put the final touches on it there this evening, and hopefully everything will be okay for Sunday. Yeah, and I'm sure I'm sure when you left Mallow last January after losing that final by a pint to Scarif Agana, you'd say, God, wouldn't it be great if if we got to a Munster final again? That maybe they'll be the opponents, and I suppose you're getting that opportunity on Sunday. We are, and look, as you said, like this is our fourth, this is our fourth Munster final, in a, fourth Munster final in a row. And as you pointed out to me last week, it's our third in arguably twelve months. So look, it's fan, it's fantastic feat to get to these things. But like, 
They've only one win, so I see it's there's, there's there's huge motivation there to um as I say you're going back to the scene there the, 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 back to the scene of the crime I suppose from last year that we're going back there again and, and hopefully hopefully put it right this time. It's, I suppose. I know it's a long time and players of maybe there's different turnover players maybe player players playing in different positions maybe in in um maybe some players in better form it was is there anything that you when you reflect on that last January game in terms of what you feel you could improve on this time around It's a long time since it's it's a long time like it's supposed a year ago since yeah you le- look you live and learn there's times there you look back and you say, if I do this and do that, maybe the maybe the game would have would have been in our favour, especially after we had scored the goal. We'd be the first time going ahead back last year, and maybe you could have been a bit more defensive minded and dropped back someone. But look, as man says, you live and learn. So hopefully we'll have we have look we have a good turnover of players this year. We have, as I said to you before, we have young girls after after the league campaign really put their hands up, and they're coming to the fore now as well. And we have we have the backup from the bench. So look mentally, and I suppose. Um, squad wise, we're we're stronger this year, and just I just hope it pays dividends. Like, was, was there anything that um, Scarafagonla threw at you last year, maybe in terms of a style of play or game plan that maybe maybe you're more aware of uh, this time round? They had they were strong. They're strong. They use they use their sweeper much much more effectively than than we adapted to. So look, we have we have a plan for that. If it happens again, we we have, we have a diff, we have a different strategy for it, but. Like normally, we just like to set up fifteen and fifteen and go for it. But if they do, we have we have a plan in place to go to to counteract that. And um, look, as I said, we're going down there full of um, I suppose confidence. I suppose if you if you go at the two semi finals or that the other semi final, and uh, I think we got the tougher side of it and we came out of it. But as I said, nothing's guaranteed. So we're just we're just looking forward to the task ahead now. Yeah, and I suppose we saw it this year. I know it's it's not the same in many ways, but the the difficulty. The Tipperary team had with Clare in their in their matches this year, particularly the sweeper. I thought they, 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 that Clare team looked like um, like uh, the way the inter county men's teams uh, playing the ball through the lines, to, trying to draw players out of position. And it, would that be a lot like how how Scarif tend to play? To a point, yeah. They're, they're like they, they'll run, they do an awful lot. They're, they're a good running side. They'll they'll run off the shoulder and take the passes off and make ground that way. They might use the sweeper in in the same way as the. Hurlers might they just drop it back there more more defensive than in an attacking role, but you have to be watching from they'll they'll leave you and you they'll be they'll be gone before you realise where they're gone and that's that that that's what you will be watching for the whole time. So look, as I said, we don't really worry about their strategies. We look after our own side and hopefully uh, hopefully they might answer a few of the questions about that, that we have posed for them. Like you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I, I I know I suppose every. Every championship you're going to claim an excuse. Maybe this time last year you were kind of maybe running on empty coming into that Munster final. You say you were you had played a, a 2020 campaign and then backing it up straight away. But I, I sense that this time you feel an awful lot fresher and more hungrier going into this Munster final. That's true. Like we had really had two seasons in one in in twenty in twenty one with with the way things worked out. You were only after winning your county final and a week or so after you were playing your county semi-final and a week after that county final. So yeah, it took us toll. We had injuries last year as well. That's not an excuse. It's just a fact of the way things were last year. But we, like, as I said, we are, we're physically fresher and we have, we have, we have a, a stronger squad. So again, look, these could all bite you on the backside for want of a better word in, in, in one sense, but we're going down in a better frame of mind, I suppose, and a fresher, a fresher frame of mind than we did last year. 
And uh, no, we will certainly hope that uh, Drummond Inch can uh, turn this result around. Uh, Pat Ryan, uh, Drummond Inch, uh, Senior Camogie Manager, thanks for joining us on Across the Line. Thanks, Shane. Thanks very much. And uh, to continue our build-up to the game, I am joined by the man who uh, who uh, successfully um, uh, successfully uh, uh, put together the downfall of Drummond Inch in last year's Munster final. That is the new Tipperary senior or junior Camogie Manager, uh, David Sullivan, former Scarf for Gunnelon Manager. David, you're welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Sam. Good to you along, David. I'm sure um, it's sort of a, a a bittersweet sort of game for you looking ahead to Sunday. I'm sure you're, you're on looking for talent, maybe some players maybe on the drum team that will play for you, but also I'm sure you have um, great, um, still great links to that Car- Scarif Gunnela team from last year. Ah, uh, yeah, certainly. No, look, I, I, I left um, I left Scarif shortly after the Munster final. I suppose we lost to Ireland semi-final and I certainly, you know, the, the players down there meaning off for that you know they ran out through many walls for me last year and you know they came to the right side of the game for to put their bodies on the line for me so I suppose I've nothing but praise for the um for the the scarf of going girls, you know they're they're an awesome an awesome group of players but I'm um, also like to take a point there as well I suppose on Sunday I'll be watching hoping that maybe three, four, five of these drumming in scores will backbone a, a tip junior squad uh, for next year in, in our pursuit of winning an in the final uh, in come August of next year. Yeah, I know it's, a, as I said to right, Pat, it, it was a lot, has, lot of water has gone under the bridge since last January, but I suppose when you were putting... Well, I suppose we had just beaten Inishkara two weeks previous in, in, in um, a Munster semi-final down below in Inishkara, and we knew leaving that day that we hadn't heard well, and I suppose the one thing we said to each other leaving Inishkara was that the physical aspect that Drummond Inch bring to the game that if we're not at the physical pitch that they are they're, they're like they're monsters of women they're well conditioned they're, they're really really good physical strong players and I just felt last year we weren't at that level of contesting rooks and chasing everything and hooking and blocking you know they would eat us alive because I have no doubt that Scarborough Gunlow are you know every bit as good as Drummond Inch are hurling wise you know there's some fantastic players but we just focused on the two weeks of sports between the Inishkara game and, and the Munster final against Drummond Inch on on tackling, hooking, blocking, chasing, just the stuff that wins the tight games in Munster finals and stuff like that, because we always knew we were equal, if not better, hurdlers than what they were. And I thought it walked the treat down below a meadow. You know, we had eight new debutants last year, all girls under 18 years of age. So we were young, but, you know, we put some fight into them girls. And in fairness, on Munster final day, they stood up to drumming inch in the physicality stakes, and we got the last minute goal then to get us over the line. So I certainly would expect that Garva Gunlow probably will go in as a little bit smaller than what the Drummond Inch girls are in physical size on Sunday, but, you know, they've had to bring down Scarborough Gunlow, so they will bring an unmerciful fight to Drummond Inch, and Drummond Inch will have to be prepared for that because they won't fear Drummond Inch come, come Sunday evening. I know you, you would have seen a lot of Drummond in the last few weeks. Do you think they're they're a better team than they were what what he has first come up, came up against last January? Uh, they're an awesome machine, is, is exactly what I, I describe Drummond Inch as. You know, the, the county final there, just watching them... Um, you know, they, they look beaten for 45, 50 minutes and, and, you know, they flick a switch and they end up winning the county final by six points and you come away scratching your head wondering how would that happen? But that's just the level that they're at, you know, they're hanging to games. And I suppose Mairead Everson was an awful loss last year in the in the Munster finals. She's a huge player and I know Scarlett Gunlow were missing Ethan Power at Clare Senior last year and she did her crucial as well. So she's back and Mairead is back. So, you know, both teams will nearly be at full strength again this year after missing personnel for the game last year. But I would imagine with Mairead in, in situ that Drummond Inch would be a little bit stronger because Mairead is the link to all that team. She allows me Trassi to push push forward and, you know, Mary Buck to get forward. And, you know, it kind of lets them do that with the safety and the knowledge that the, the centre of defence has been well marshaled by, by Mairead. So her, her presence on the field on Sunday will 
count for an awful lot for Drummond Inch and I would imagine then you would see the likes of Neil Trassie and that push further up the field and try to put pressure on the scarf for going back more than maybe what they did last year. Yeah, I know Pat referenced, uh, I suppose, the, the, the freshness uh, of Drum this year, uh, some some of the younger girls going in and then having the likes of Joanne Ryan and Maria Rudlock to come off the bench and we saw Maria Rudlock getting the goal in extra time against um, uh, De La Salle last weekend. Just having, having that experience on the bench in, going in those late moments, as we probably expect this Sunday's game to be tight. It's all crucial. Yeah, and I would imagine the only thing that Drummondish would probably hold in their favour going into Sunday is probably the strength of their bench is probably a little bit better than what Scarfa Gunlows is. Even in my time there last year, you know, we were scraping by with 16, possibly 17 players there for, you know, a long campaign. I suppose we got away injury-free for a lot of that, but I would imagine Drummondish, you know, looking at the two teams on paper, have a stronger bench, and you're able to call on Joanne and Michelle off, off the bench with all their years' experience and seven county medals each. It's, it's huge to have that, and Scarif don't have that, but the thing for Dominich is that if they don't start well and they let Scarif get into their into their groove, Scarif have players, Alva Rogers, you know, Marais Scanlon, Jennifer Daly, these girls know where the goalposts are and they'll have absolutely no problem in punishing uh, Dominich. So it's well and good having the bench, I suppose, to bring on the 10 or 15 minutes to go, but it's up to the Dominich starting 15 to make sure that they, they start well to, to get the full use out of them girls when they come on and, and hopefully they'll they'll drive the drum and inch girls home them in their own perspective. Mm-hmm. I know Pat Ryan mentioned there earlier that um, I suppose the Scarif sweeper caused them a, a bit of trouble last year. I suppose they're probably more forewarned or forearmed, I suppose, now that they know really what's coming this time. Yeah, and look, I suppose that I, I, and probably without being too disrespectful to drum, and, to drum and inch, I suppose we probably felt we wore the better team last year and we probably just never put it up on the scoreboard and you know in my own mind I don't think we should have gone to the last minute and the last minute goal to win the, the month to final last year I thought we were just a, a better side but you have to take into the consideration that Drummond had a long season last year and they were coming on the back of pre-Christmas playing off 2020s then to straight into 2021 after Christmas and that takes a toll when you have a lot of big games in a certain period of time and you're missing girls and I suppose there was a freshness about us last year there was a there was a lot of new girls in the Scarf Gunla team and, you know, they didn't fear anything and they were playing, like, with that youthful um, kind of exuberance around the field and I suppose it kind of, it, it caught uh, Drummond Inch by surprise but I got out passing Matthew and all these lads that are both in Drummond Inch after homework done and they'll have watched the semi-final against Sarsfield and will have seen the way maybe Sarsfield caused bother to, to Scarf Gunla and they will have need to have watched it because, um, you know, Scarf Gunla are an awesome side and I think, you know, everyone's expecting Drummond Inch maybe to right the wrongs, but if they're going to have, if they're going to have right the wrongs, they're really going to have to hurl well, you know, because if they are to come the right side of Scarborough going law on um, Sunday, they're going to have to have turned in an absolute brilliant performance, and it's in them. And you know, I've no doubt that they can do it, but I know from my own personal experience that them Scarborough girls will absolutely die for the blue and navy jersey that's on their back Sunday, and they will stay going to to Drummond Inch's painful experience to the very final whistle trying to win that match on Sunday so Drummond need to be careful of that and they will need to kind of prepare for that that no matter how much they're ahead that Scarfa Gunlow will still go at them right to the final whistle on Sunday Yeah I mean, I'm getting the sense that you, you, you're you finding this one hard to call Yeah and to be honest I, I suppose I, uh, I, I, I kind of I have great respect for the girls in Scarfa Gunlow you know I, I touched a bond with them there for 14 months last year and was my first year and only year with them. I suppose we ended up all the way to an All Ireland semi final. So I suppose it, it, it's hard to back, you know, call against them. But at the same time, it's hard to call against girls that you're maybe going to train in, in two or four, two months' time or a month's time when the county team really gets back into swinging things. So 
it wouldn't surprise me if extra time is needed on Sunday. I think the margins of the winning of this game will be so minute. It'll probably come down to a mistake or, you know, like Ian McGrath, I know Mr. Free in the last minute last year to miss the chance to go to extra time. Maybe he could be scarred for one less player than missed it this year. It'll be fine margins like that will win the game on Sunday. And I wouldn't rule out extra time, to be quite honest with you, Shane. I just think tw- two years ago it was a point, last year it was a point in Scarborough Gunnell's favour. And I just think if, if Sunday's deficit is more than three points, it would mean someone has hurt really, really bad. But I just think if two teams who are on the same level and Scarborough Gunnell have been able to, I suppose, to come the right side of the game the last two months of finals, but... At the same time, if I if I flicked onto the social media on Sunday and seen Drummond Lynch won by a point, it wouldn't surprise me either, such as the closeness. It will just come down to fine margins on Sunday. Yeah, it's a very, very close one to call at the Munster Club Senior Camogie Final, 2 o'clock in Mallow on Sunday. It'll be live here on Tip FM. Uh, David Sullivan, uh, new Tipperary Junior Manager. Thanks for joining us and across the line. No problem, Shane. Thanks very much. David Sullivan there looking ahead to that Munster Club final 2 o'clock in Mallow on Sunday. Time for our first break and we'll be back in part two with uh, Gaelic football. And you're very welcome back to the show. And now we uh, move to Gaelic football, where there are two Tipperary teams in Munster Club action on Saturday. Firstly, at 1.15 in Milltown Malbay in County Clare, it's uh, Turles Arsville's take on Liscanner in the Provincial Junior Quarter Final. When, and then later that evening at 7.15, Clanmel Commercials take on 17 times Munster Club champions Nemo Rangers of Cork in the Munster Senior Club Championship Quarter Final. A game you can hear live on Tip FM with Paul Carroll and Charlie McGeever bringing you to the action in association with John Kennedy Motors in Clanmel. It's a big weekend for Clanmel Commercials as on Sunday their senior ladies footballers take on Waterford's Commerce Rangers in the Munster Senior B Championship Final. That's in Clanmel Sportsfield at 2.30pm. So to look ahead to both games, I'm joined by Clanmel Commercials Clubman and current Tipperary Minor Football Manager John McNamara. John, you're welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Shane. Good to have you on, John. Um, uh, Big weekend for the club, I'm sure. Um, it was to be in provincial club action at this stage of the year. It's, I suppose it, it's, um, it always gives a great sense of anticipation within any club. Uh, absolutely, Shane. Um, look, I think I think what you've seen from the the lads this year, obviously, following the disappointment of last year's county final loss, they've picked themselves up, and it's just been positives all the way through the year. And like this, coming into the game on Saturday. Um, without even getting into the discussion about Nemo Rangers, just the pure excitement that, that's been given us. Like, we've, we're four weeks since our county final win, so to, to be going to Cork, down to Parky Creeve, live on TV, the whole lot, everything about it, it's, 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 it's showbiz. Yeah, and I suppose unlike Killer One, who only got a, a week, I suppose, before they got to go into Munster, you were able to go away, um, enjoy, maybe celebrate, and then come down off that high and refocus for um, for the, the, the clash with Nemo, and as you said, four weeks of a build-up. Yeah, absolutely. The, like, the, I suppose you can look at it two ways. Obviously, your four-week period gives you an opportunity to rest sore limbs, uh, but it also, the, the one thing you, we're hoping now is that we don't become... Um, kind of a bit slack in terms of our play, in terms of our intensity. Obviously, Nemo are coming fairly fairly quickly off the back of a huge win for them in, against the Bars in the county final. So, look, it'll all play out on Saturday night. Yeah, and it's, as you say, it's live in RT. It sort of has the feel of, of a huge game for both sides because I suppose with maybe... I suppose on paper, maybe Karen's or Ahlis, while they will be strong out of Kerry, they're probably not the best of what's coming out of Kerry. But whoever wins this game would really have a great chance of maybe going and win a provincial title. Well, obviously, as you said yourself, that Nemo's history in Munster is huge. Um, 
we in 2015 obviously we, we managed to snatch one away from them to, to be, become the first very team to, to do it and then we obviously then they gave us a bit of a lesson in 2019 down in Garvin but again a lot, across, the, across the province there's a huge amount of interest in there and I, kind of, I think it's testament to, to, to not only Nemo but to ourselves just in terms of the interest that's driven across the province with the kind of players that, we, that are on show for both clubs Mm-hmm. Like I, I was looking at, I suppose the the semi final and the final and tip, and I said to myself, if if commercials put it together forty five fifty minutes, there's very few clubs that will go with them. It's just they had the brilliant second half against Mile Rovers, that that thirteen minute spell against Upper Church where they effectively won the final. That if when they're on it, they're very very good. I, well, if it, everything, if it was ever that easy, Shane, now oh, I, I know, I know, but when 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 they when they get when into they a groove. Are, yeah, no, I, but like you have to look at the look across the board, look at their panel, look at the Mount Inter County experience that they have. Um, yeah, like we can we can bandy about the names like Seamus Kennedy and Michael Quinlivan, Jason Lundergan. But like one of the huge positives for me this year um, was the addition of a lot of the younger players into the group, yeah, like now, James talk, Morris and Peter McGarry. Well, exactly. You're looking at the likes of Ty Condon, Keane Smith, Kahalili, Peter McGarry, James Morris. For me now. If you want to pick a young player of the year in Tipperary, I think James Morris has been it. Every day he comes out, he seems to get better and better. Like an absolute potential leader of commercials in future years. But like if you talk to any of the, well, let's say the elder statesmen in the in the team, they they'll tell you that they're delighted to see all these younger players come through. But the one thing that they that they'll tell the younger players is that you have to fight for your jersey. You're not going to take the jersey off Michael or Seamus. It's not because unless you really battle for it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's kind of you can see that kind of mentality is going through the team. Um, so look, and it's to our benefit at the moment. Yeah, what do you, what I suppose your your thoughts on I suppose um, Michael Quinn Livin's new role between maybe midfield and, and half forward? It's a, it's an area over the years I always thought while he was, uh, you could see why he was played at full forward a lot with Tip. I always thought if he gets a ball around the forty five and it gets motor and there's very you, he's so quick you can't stop him. And I, I'm just interested to see how you feel his role has evolved this year. Well, I, it's strange. I, I would actually look at it the opposite. I think he's reverting more so to type. If you talk to his father, Blas, about who coached him all the way through his juvenile career, I don't think he ever left six or eight in his during juvenile teams. Mm-hmm. It was actually you'll actually have to go to I think it was 2010 when Tommy and Philly were in charge of an under 21 team, and they brought a very young 17 year old Michael Quinn Living into the squad to fill a corner back position. Now within a game or so, just realised this lad had potential, and they threw him up to forward and the rest is history as they say but I think look Michael his, his, his intelligence his ability to read the game like he glides the ground when he's on the edge over it's, it's like best of luck stopping him That's yeah. it. when he goes in full flight he's just incredible you, you can go back to the goal he scored against Lockmore a couple of years back in the county final where he took it from the wing from about 60 yards and just cleverly tapped it into the top corner and it like he's, he's he's just such a clever player now the, the thing about it is, is I suppose with Michael coming out in around the middle field, it probably disguises the fact that there's lads around there that are doing a huge amount of work rate as well. When you're talking, when you're looking at the likes of Ross Peters, the return of Aldo Matassa has been a huge. He's been a massive leader again in in the squad. Um, you're talking about the likes of, like again Kevin Fahey, Jamie Peters, Coleman Kendi even seems to be doing a huge amount of work to keep him kind of allowing lads to get the scores from the work rate that he's putting in yeah. I know I was, just, I was just looking at the the, the the 30 that's been selected I know things might change like guys that are named on the subs bench will probably start but there's going yeah. to be some big names that will not make the starting 15 tomorrow well I suppose you could oh, back sorry for familiar names 
Yeah, well, look, to go straight back to the county final, Colin Kennedy did not, didn't start the county final. Now, like, if the, a player of his stature, if, if he's not making the first 15 just for that one game, it's, it is testament to the standard that, that is across the squad. Now, to be honest with you, my own opinion on Colin, I think he, I think he'll, he, whether he'll start or not, I don't know, but he'll certainly have something, he'll be looking to prove or answer a few questions, maybe in his own head. Certainly doesn't have to answer any questions in my head. I think the performance levels have been outstanding all the time. He, every time he puts on the jersey, yeah. but like you have that, you have that available to you. Kyle Lealy, young Kyle Lealy has been an outstanding player on the on half on the half forward line, but it, like physical, can kick scores, everything. You know what I mean? So it's it, we're kind of in a good place at the moment. But hopefully, it'll work out for us. Yeah, well, I suppose they're taking look. Nemo, I suppose we don't need to mention that uh, their tradition in this, but they probably did win a Cork Championship maybe against the grain this year. So um, whether they're, they're yeah. officially the best in Cork, we don't know. But like we know when they get into Munster they nearly find another level well absolutely look you, I think you can only just look at the scenes that you saw down in Park Creeve after the county final like it, there seems to be there's almost a sense of resurgence about them that maybe maybe that they feel, feel like they had to kind of get over a hurdle of the bars who are a fantastic team but like as you said yourself you've got the likes of Luke Connolly who can kick dead ball who was one of the best in the business to make a score from play you had Connor Horgan he had a fantastic county final score 1-3 and typical Nemo you have likes of Kevin O'Donnell who marauding from the corner back position to kick scores like they'll get scores from everywhere it's the one thing about them but again their experience with Fulignati the Cronins and obviously Paul Kerrigan winning his 10th county title like I mean if the question being who's going in as underdogs I would say as commercials going into the underdogs just simply on the basis on the experience that they have and the, 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 the history that they have. Uh, is, is, is there any aspect you feel that commercials area maybe will, will be important for them to, to win on tomorrow night? Well, I think it's just confidence in their own, in their own play. You, as you said yourself, the 13 minutes that they had against Upper Church was a kind of a little insight into how well these lads can play. As you said, can they do that for a full... Can they do it for 40 minutes? Never mind 60 minutes. You're never going to dominate a full game, especially when you go out against Nemo Rangers. You're certainly not going to dominate the whole entire game. But you have to capitalise on your opportunities when you do get on top of the game. And that's kind of what they showed against Upper Church. Um, there's, such, there's very clever scores they got in the county final. Jason Lundgren very, kicked some lovely scores. Actually, to me, who's been player of the season so far for commercials, he's been, like, he's been consistent and accurate with everything he's done. Um, the, the return of a fit Jack Kennedy is massive for commercials. Um, he, last year, he was carrying a lot of injuries with his hamstring. He's all, over all that now. You could see that in his dead ball play. You could see that in that glorious score that he got for the outside of his boot against Upper Church. Again, the way he drives forward, I think he was. I think he got him at two eleven or two ten up to the county finals. So like he's there's there's opportunities here to, but the commercials lads have to really believe in themselves mm-hmm. and to back themselves. That's the key thing. And just moving on to, to the ladies' uh, football, the Munster Senior B final on Sunday against um, Comer Rangers. Um, it's um, it just shows you that's what the, the development of, of the ladies' club within commercials over the last decade or so. And I suppose they were unlucky maybe this year that maybe the early stages of the Tip Championship maybe the, the panel wasn't quite at full strength, and maybe by the time they all came back, they missed out in the semi-finals. And but it just was just shows you. They, they've taken this competition seriously and they know if they win here they can look forward to maybe next year's Tipperary Championship and be a real contender Exactly look I, I, far from being 
oh, far from being overshadowed by the men, the, the ladies' football, the adventures they have had has been fantastic. I suppose the, the, one, the only negative, I suppose, in all this is there's been so much clashes between the men's games and the, and the ladies' games over the last couple of weeks. So like, when you take into account... You have Ashen Dealey, Tanya Peters, Sally Quinlivan, Courtney Lundergan, Saoirse McGeever all have brothers playing on the men's team. And you have young Cuba O'Callaghan, whose who's father, Fergal, is, uh, is coaching on the men's team. So you have a real split between in families at the moment going both ways, either to the girls or to the men's the games. But look, irrespective of that, I think, look, you've got, you've, you see a team that has a huge amount of experience. It's just, just said Sally and Courtney have massive amount of experience. You, similar to the men's team where we can talk about Jack's Jason Lundrigan, Michael Quilliven, Tony O'Connor. You have the likes of Anna Carey, Ava Finnessy and Sarah Ryan who will deliver every time they come onto the pitch, they deliver. I think Ava scored six points against the Kerry team. Sarah scored 1-1. She got a previous goal against Fermoy. Like She's always there to deliver. And again, it's not just the, lad, the, people, the girls who start, on, start the, in the first 15. You had Emily Corfin came off the bench to score the winner against Fermoy. So look, I think they're backed by a huge, by a very experienced backline and Katie and Petty Barlow Howard Winston, Eve Mackey, but then uh, the one person then we haven't mentioned is Dara Walsh, who's a huge, who's one of the main leaders in the team up front for commercials. So look, I think Michael O'Sullivan has them playing a really, really good, good frame of football. They're dogged. They, they, they dig into games. They don't ever, they kind of a never say die attitude about them. And I think that's down to him. Um, I, I, I just see, I, I, to be honest with you, I think it's been a fantastic adventure. And as you said, they probably saw, as I said, they saw their own brothers having a bit of fun in Munster over the last couple of years. So why not them? Yeah, plus it's, it's rare you get to play a Munster final at home and it's, it's a local derby of Common Rangers. So I'm sure there's going to be a big crowd there. I think weather, weather looks half decent on Sunday. It's mild as well. So probably yeah, not. I, if, you, if, if you want somewhere to go on Sunday, Clonmel Sports uh, Field is well, the place to be. Well, absolutely. And I think uh, like Common Rangers, obviously coming out of Waterford, we all know about the Ballymac ladies and their exploits, but obviously football and water, ladies, ladies, football and water is huge. So it's going to be a real, it's going to be a real battle on that. So as you said, hopefully a good, some dry weather would help anyway for starters. Absolutely, and we wish both teams the the best at Clonmel Commercials against Nemo Rangers tomorrow night, seven fifteen from Parky Cave. It'll be live on Tip FM on Sunday. The Munster Senior B Ladies Football Final Commercials up against Clonmel Rangers in Clonmel Sportsfield at half two. John McNamara, thanks for your insight here and across the line. Thanks very much, Shane. Uh, time for another break and we'll be back in part three talking to Demi Lawler about his new book and you're welcome back to the show and as the build up to Christmas is well underway it is also sports book season with a number having hit the shelves in recent weeks including Porrick Maher's All on the Line who, which was officially launched last night in Thurless and Paddy Stapleton's latest children's books uh, Muckfest and the My her first Hurley picture book another book that has hit the shelves and is online in recent weeks is After the Storm by Kilowan Native and RTEJ reporter Damien Lawler, which looks back on how different people in different units of the GA dealt with the height of the pandemic. And to chat about the book, I'm joined on the line by Damien Lawler. Damien, you're welcome to the show. Thanks, Shane. Good, Good to have you along, Damien. I'm sure, look, as we the years go on and we move further away from the, pan, the COVID pandemic and the height of it, there's going to be so much written and analysed. And I suppose the thing I, I suppose first question to ask you is, I suppose writing a book so soon after then in some ways we're, we're still in it. Um, yeah. Was that sort of a, 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 what was your thought process in that? Yeah, look, it's a, it's a really good question. I think the couple of questions I've been asked are, is it a bit too soon or are people not COVID weary at this stage? Um, but I, I certainly don't think there'll be any real nostalgia to look back in a few years and I think we, we are once we're out of it we're out of it and 
after the two years we had, I really do feel that we got back into it in 2022. Um, spoke to my publisher about uh, what I thought the book would be. He didn't really listen to me first time around. He kind of shot it down. But then I came back to him and I said, look, here are the stories I've gathered. And uh, to be honest with you, Shane, a lot of the stories I gathered would be probably a, a lot out of date if I left it any later. They were fresh in my mind. And um, I just feel that really what people might see, the book uh, COVID on the cover, it's, it's actually really comeback stories, resilience, personal uh, stories, people helping each other. And I just felt the time was right to go for it now while it was fresh in my mind because as a reporter, I kind of tried to keep on top of it for two years from a new sense, but I was getting all these personal stories uh, in between as well. And I just thought it came to a nice little kind of a conclusion um, when we were allowed back as a country to, to open up and we've had full crowds this year, Shane, and we've had evolution in the GA with cashless gates and split seasons and different calendars and different structures and I thought now is the time and you know like I did a book in 2013 called Fields of Fire about the hurling revolution that was taking place or was going to take place and I was probably accused of doing that too quickly uh, back then as well but as you've seen with counties Limerick coming through you know, it, it was it was there, it was full of substance, and hopefully this one is the same as well. Yeah, and I suppose it, maybe it'll be in, I suppose, down the road, maybe. As, it's probably a book that will probably be used as, as a, I suppose, yeah, a reference point, maybe five, ten years of how, what exactly went on, and you say, to, 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 to put it down on paper now, like I suppose it, it, it's a, um, a thing of record. And I suppose from your yeah. point of view, I suppose as proud Tipperary man, like a lot of stuff went on from a Tipperary point of view. And I suppose we're now approaching, I suppose, two years since that 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 famous day in Parky Keefe when and the footballers won yeah. that Munster Championship. Which I, I was even, I have a video on my phone of the cup presentation. And while it was sad not to have had thousands of Tip fans there, I just thought for that group of players to do what they did on their own was incredible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was, and it's probably poignant as well because you know yourself, Shane. Like, I mean, sometimes there they only get four or five hundred people watching them at matches, so they wouldn't. I think they'd nearly be able to name all their diehard supporters. And um, yeah, look, I mean, at the end of the day, Shane, you're right. It probably a lot of people saying to me it'll be used as reference in PhD studies and stuff like that, and I do accept that, and that that's great to hear. I do think, though, you know, that there are individual collection of stories here that are that are ready to be told now straight away. And certainly to be recounting uh, two years out, a lot has happened to football since then. Um, and I've been able to hopefully try and keep it as updated as possible. But that was a really weird feeling for, for me that day to be down there. You were there too, Shane. And um, really eerie feeling. And I think everybody felt from the moment the ball was thrown in the Tipperary could do that. But just the fact that we had our best players back in the country, you know, which wouldn't have happened only for COVID. I mean, Colin Reardon wouldn't have been back. Um, Quillivan probably would be gone. Lean Casey would have definitely been gone. You know, these guys, I think there's maybe up to four or five players who were called back in um, and, and basically allowed train together. And, you know, we, we got on a bit of a run going into the Munster final. Probably won a game against Limerick that we shouldn't have won. And uh, I think the, the lads just got into a groove and with the historical significance of Bloody Sunday, and there's a, there's a chapter in Bloody Sunday in the book as well, Shane, there was meant to be 82,000 people at a commemoration match. Uh, and the, the idea was to commemorate the 100-year anniversary of Bloody Sunday and have Tipperary in Dublin finish off the match, the closing stages of that match that was that was prevented from being finished all those years ago when Mick Hogan was shot dead. And, you know, the Munster final took place a day after that commemoration. Mm-hmm. Meant to be 82,000 people at it. There were eight. It was actually something that was that was referenced last weekend uh, mm-hmm. when um, I think Michael Foley was given a special uh, McNamee award for all the work he did on building up to the commemoration that actually the yeah. empty stadium 
made it actually more haunting that night. That even though there was nobody there, it actually it's, yeah. it added to it, if you know what I mean. I'd agree with that because, like, I mean, I, I think that you know, and, and I, I in the trap in the chapter in the book, I went through the the, the tip football chapter and the bloody Sunday chapter, nearly kind of rocked parallel to each other, Shane. They nearly hopped off each other, and I think one of the stories we got like was Michael Quinlevin and maybe his mum and dad were watching that commemoration on the Saturday night, and after it finished, there wasn't a word spoken for about twenty minutes, and you know, Michael left the room, and I think everybody got very emotional around that weekend, uh, a haunting, haunting night. Uh, even Keen Murphy and Jerry Grogan, the stadium guys, um, th- you know, they had to try and give Brendan Gleeson some light to read his speech out, and the, the battery went in Jerry's phone. And I mean, for all the technology and all the great advances we've made, you were really back to basics that night. And maybe too fitting in a way that the stadium was empty when two footballers won as well, Shane, because while it was horrible that we didn't have supporters, the football would have would have always been fighting to hold its own and all is fighting to get people and maybe maybe it was just meant to be that the year we won you know it was in those conditions as well but certainly the stars were aligned there's no doubt in my mind these things are they're way too coincidental for it to be to be working out the way it is so just all these stories and personal stories too Shane like I mean look at the, the run that Lockmore went on for two years but I remember talking to a, a barrister up in Belfast he gave 16 days in a coma um, he was driving on Club Antrim up there, the GA supporters wing. He got out of that, and uh, he was trying to drive on parity for nurses, their, their, their conditions, because of how well they looked after him. And then Darren Gleeson from Port Rue, he, he had a job getting a guy called Dolan Nugent back on the Antrim hurling team. And Dolan was just recovering from addiction. And the, the thing they say to you in, in recovery is, don't leave yourself alone, surround yourself with good people. And then COVID hit. He was on his own for two years. But Darren Gleeson used to ring him the whole time, and, and he tells the story of how Darren got him out. There was a nurse in uh, Moonkine called Marianne Walsh. She was a, a nurse in Waterford Regional Hospital. She got diagnosed with cancer at the start of it. And what kept her going for six weeks, six months while she was getting treatment, Shane, was the fact that she might play camogie once again. And at the end of that six months, she won a county championship with Moonkine and won Kikenny Camogie Player of the Year. And they're the stories that you're trying to get out. And that's why I felt I had to tell it so soon. You know, I mean, they're, they're still current and topical in everybody's minds, you know. Yeah, it was, it, it was COVID-related. Some of it is because of COVID. A lot of it is because of the circumstances yeah. around it and I suppose having to adapt and things like that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and I, I probably try to keep the the administration side to a minimum, Shane. I, I mean, I all the stories really are all personal stories in all chapters but then maybe every so often then you just throw in a, a kind of a smaller chapter on where we were like at one stage we were allowed 200 people you know remember for our 2020 finals down in Tip for example um, and of course only 200 people allowed into a 50,000 seater stadium and all 200 people congregate together mm-hmm. and I remember Timmy Floyd and Robert Ryan going over trying to scatter them <laughs> so the TG car cameras wouldn't pick them up you know so human nature is human nature but uh, I kept those chapters to a minimum but you had to string it together as well to remind people all the byros that we took all the restrictions all the levels the training breaches the county championship celebrations that spilled over don't forget that some counties have one or two locked down more than others the likes of Clare awfully leashed they had an extra one and, you, you know, you, you tie it all up then maybe with an interview with the Taoiseach near the end of it. And, and then there may be a chapter on those we, we lost over the past couple of years as well. Um, so, look, I, I think you're right in what you're saying, Shane. It, it was probably uh, very, very close to the time in that we're still not over it. But I do think 2022 was the year that the GEA certainly did get out of it. 
started to get back in. Look at the way streaming has taken off as well, Shane, by the way. Mm-hmm. It's a, we have a whole new way of life too since COVID in terms of the GEA, I think. Uh, so we have a new fixture calendar. We have a new way of getting games across. New way of paying for tickets, you know, which is probably unfortunate and for, for some people to be honest about it. But a lot has changed very, very quickly, you know. Absolutely. It's a fascinating read. Um, after the Storm by, by Damien Lawler looking back on the GEA and the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, Damien, thanks for joining us and across the line. Okay, Shane. Look, best luck. Bye bye. Uh, time for a final break, and we'll be back in part four of Greyhound Racing. Tip FM's Greyhound Update, in association with Greyhound Racing Ireland, because this runs deep. And you're welcome back to the show, and that uh, sting means it is uh, time to talk dogs with uh, Barry Drake. Barry, you're welcome to the show. Thanks a million, Shane. Good long, Barry. And before we look ahead to this weekend, uh, a reflection on the uh, great win for uh, Pat Gilfiles, good Cody at the uh, Laurels and Cork last Friday night. Yeah, um, an unbelievable success there. Big Tipperary win for trainer Patrick Gilfoyle and the Kennedy family. Good Cody, of course, who's a, a big name in the world of Greyhound Racing, delivering a, a sensational performance to win the 30,000 jurors to the winner friends and supporters of Cork Greyhound Race and Irish Greyhound Lords. He was sent off at odds of 5-1, to one, and once he turned in a handy position, uh, the writing was on the wall. Um, Edmund Ryan from Clarehan, his serene ace, had set the early fractions, but good Cody was always in that winning position and he found plenty in the closing stages. Already a winner of the Irish Sprint Cup in the past, he won the Kingdom Derby at the back end of last year and he can now add the Irish Greyhound Laurels to his um, glittering CV. It really was a stunning performance in front of a packed crowd at Curraheen Park and it's a night that will be remembered for many years to come. Uh, certainly is and well done to uh, Pat Kilfoyle and all the connections of good Cody and I suppose as one classic ends uh, another one begins with the uh, opening round of the St. Ledger in um, Limerick this weekend yeah that's right the matchbook betting exchange um, Irish St. Ledger takes place over the course of the next couple of Saturday nights at Limerick Greyhound Stadium Kappa White trainer Pat Buckley has strong claims with Ballinabool ahead he's the current anti-post favour for outright glory but keep an eye on Patrick Gill's Files uh, Vincenzo, who looked the leading player for the Irish Ground Derby. He was forced to withdraw uh, in the semi final due to injury, but Gilfoyle has him back to his best uh, flying trial recently, and I think he's a big player for outright glory. And uh, yeah, it promises to be, I suppose, at this time of the year, having a, another class again, I suppose, into, into Limerick. It'll be a popular uh, destination for Greyhound followers in the next few weeks. Uh, but locally, I suppose, we were back on uh, schedule with uh, Clonmel tonight and Sunday and Turles on Saturday. So what's that uh, picking your fancy? Yeah, some really good action over the course of the next couple of nights. It's free admission tonight down in um, Clonmel. Uh, it's a raw sea up to La Cala. It's a weekend for our community to come together and enjoy a night out at their local Greyhound Stadium. So it's going on in many um, Greyhound Stadiums all over the country. So free admission at Clamell uh, tonight, getting underway at 7.30. Um, some good action. Keep an eye on Jimmy Powers' player one in the sprint race. That's in race number six. I thought that had leading claims there and should run well. On to Turles on Saturday night. There's some good action down for decision. It's the semi-finals of the Dini Mackey Memorial Cup, which has been a good event over the last uh, week or so. And we're going uh, with a ground in trap number one, Kind Soul, who caught the eye with a powerful display in defeat last week. Um, that ground is owned by the um, Kennedy family, Patrick and Brian Kennedy in Nina. And I think that will go very close in race number five. Well, on to uh, Clanmail on Sunday night. What a care down for decision there. All getting underway at around 7.30. No doubt there'll be a big crowd in attendance. Feature races, the 5,000 chores to the winner, Stud Owners Munster Juvenile Cup. 
Graham Holland has a big hand here in this final. He's triply represented. Riverside Fudge was a 28-36 winner last week, and going on that performance, that'll take all the beating. But keep an eye on Ballyhimmick and Leo as well, who's drawn on the outside for Graham Holland. Caught the eye in defeat last week, and maybe just the best drawn dog in that final. So a lot to look forward to over the course of the weekend. And as I said, plenty of great action as well at the local uh, tracks, Shane. Uh, thanks again, uh, Barry, as always, for that uh, comprehensive report. Thanks very much, Shane. And as we come towards the end of the show, just bring out uh, some of the local uh, rugby and soccer fixtures. The All-Ireland League um, continues this weekend in rugby in Division 2A. Dolphin host uh, Cashel, while Nina Ormond make the short trip into Limerick to play Old Crescent. While in Division 2C, Clonmel look to build on last week's win when they make the long trip to bottom of the table, Ballina. In local soccer, the Munster Junior Cup takes centre stage. Tonight, a rear cross holds Turles Town at half seven. While there are four games on Sunday, Loch Derg at home to Killavilla at 11 o'clock. V Rovers at home to Peak Villa V at half 11. Two o'clock, it's Peak Villa A against St. Michael's and tied around and then at the same time it's two mile Burris up against Banches Celtic and that is about it for this week's show and to thank all my guests and my producer Paul Carroll Stephen Gleeson will be in the presenter's chair next Friday for another edition of Across the Line after the news at 7 it's Premier Country with Carroll Power bye for now